Then I open the wardrobe and catch a scent of orange peel and cloves, which makes me think of Christmas. As I stare at Mrs. Kitt's brightly printed summer dresses, imagining them under the African sun, I suddenly realize that I am not so much seeking as snooping. I retreat, feeling a vague sense of shame, and now I want to stop playing hide-and-seek. I want to play rummy or just watch TV. Bet you can't find me, Phoebe. You'll never ever find me. Sighing, I cross the landing and step into the bathroom, where I check behind the thick white plastic shower curtain and lift the lid of the hamper, which contains nothing but a faded-looking purple towel. Now I go to the window and part the semi-closed slats of the Venetian blind. As I peer down into the sun-filled garden, a tiny jolt runs the length of my spine. There's Emma, behind the huge plane tree at the end of the lawn, She thinks I can't see her, but I can because she's crouching down and one of her feet is sticking out. I dash down the stairs, through the kitchen and into the utility room. Then I fling open the back door. Found you! I shout as I run toward the tree. Found you! I repeat happily, surprised by my euphoria. Okay, I say panting. My turn to hide. Emma? I peer at her. She's not crouching down, but lying down, on her left side, perfectly still, eyes closed. Get up, will you, Em? She doesn't reply, and now I notice that one leg is folded beneath her at an awkward angle. With a sudden thud in my ribcage, I understand. Emma was hiding not behind the tree, but in it. I glance up through its branches, glimpsing shreds of blue through the green. She was hiding in the tree but then she fell. Em, I murmur, stooping to touch her shoulder. I'm trembling now. I gently shake her, but she doesn't respond, and now I notice that her mouth is slightly agape, a thread of saliva glistening on her lower lip. Emma, I shout, wake up! But she doesn't. I put my hand to her ribs, but can't feel them rise and fall. Say something! I plead, my heart pounding, Please, Emma! I try to lift her up, but I can't. I clap my hands by her ears. Emma! My throat is aching and tears prick my eyes. I glance back at the house, desperate for Emma's mother to come running over the grass, ready to make everything all right. But Mrs. Kitts is still not back from her tennis, which makes me angry because we're too young to have been left on our own. Resentment at Mrs. Kitts gives way to terror at the thought of what she's likely to say that Emma's accident was my fault because it was my suggestion that we play hide-and-seek. From inside my head I hear Miss Grey asking me to look after Emma, then her disappointed tut-tutting. Wake up, Em, I implore her. Please! But she just lies there, looking, crumpled, like a flung-down rag doll. I know I have to run and get help, but first I must cover her as it's turning chilly. I pull off my cardigan and lay it across Emma's upper body, quickly smoothing it over her chest and tucking it under her shoulders. I'll be back soon. Don't worry. I try not to cry. Suddenly Emma sits bolt upright, grinning like a lunatic, her eyes popping with mischievous delight. Bored you! She sings, clapping her hands together, then throwing back her head in glee. I really fooled you there, didn't I? She scrambles to her feet. 
You were worried, weren't you, Phoebes? Admit it. You thought I was dead. I held my breath for ages, she gasps as she brushes down her skirt. I'm right out of puff. She blows out her cheeks and her bangs lift a little in the gust. Then she smiles at me. Okay, Hebe, Phoebe, your turn. She holds out my cardigan. I'll start counting, up to twenty-five, if you like. Here, Phoebes, take your cardi, will you? Emma stares at me. What's up? My fists are balled by my sides. My face feels hot. Don't ever do that again. Emma blinks with surprise. It was only a joke. It was a horrible one. Tears sting my eyes. I'm sorry. Don't ever do that again. If you do, I won't talk to you anymore.